0: Uh, this is a news radio fourteen forty podcast Good Wednesday evening, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us here on tactics where speech isn't violence. Tolerance isn't love, and disagreement isn't hate. Thank you so much for being with us here on the program. As always, Wednesday is going to be a little bit shorter because you know it's Bible class night and I've got Bible class to get to even if it is virtual Bible class at least for the next couple of weeks, if if not longer. But we are going to go ahead and dive straight in to the local news. Before we do that, though, I do want to quickly just say one thing about Russell Terry. For those of you who don't know who that is, he's on our sister station on Sports Radio 740. He is one of the co-hosts with Joe Hunk on The Fallout. Really, really great show. Uh, Really fantastic programming, especially if you're a sports fan. Uh, I've been on the show a few times produce for him. I've known Russell for a number of years, even before he was actually on the radio because he, you know, works down at at Gill's Down the Street Cafe, and I'm not revealing anything. He's very open about that. Uh, But uh, he announced earlier today that his dad had passed away, and so I would certainly ask that everybody keep the Terry family In your prayers. And I know that that's a devastating loss for him personally and and for the rest of his family. And that's going to be something they're dealing with. And in radio, especially when it's people that are maybe not on your station, but work in the same physical location in the station, you can you can get to be really close and know these people because we have to lay it all out there on the on the air. And because of that, you you do feel like you really do get to know these people, uh, whether you're a listener or whether you're somebody that actually works with them. And, and actually, ironically, I've probably worked more with Russell on the show than I have with Joe, just because usually if I'm there, it's because Joe's not there and I'm running the board in his absence. So uh, Russell's just a stand-up guy and uh, really do ask everybody, keep his family in your thoughts and prayers. So the next thing I want to address is something that I want to clear, clarify and clear up because what I was talking about yesterday on the show, if you happen to be watching it, you know that one of the big topics of discussion was a quote-unquote love rally that was supposed to be going on. That's, that's their word for it. Uh, and it wasn't real clear exactly how it came about, who was behind it, what the goals were. I was going off of the advertisements that I had been seeing for it, and that's all I had to go off of. But I got some clarification today and I got it actually from somebody that is a representative that helped organize this thing. Uh, they're an anonymous source and didn't name themselves, but there are some behind the scene things that I wanted to share with you and just give a little bit of clarification on, because this has been something that if you have, if you're dialed into local news, at least on the social media platforms, you know, that this is something that people are very confused about. They're like, okay, well, I heard that it was canceled. Well, uh, hang on. I heard that it wasn't canceled. Uh, I heard that it was a city event. Well, I heard that it wasn't a city event. You may recall yesterday that I speculated that it must have been a city event because they were having fireworks down there at Riverwalk Stadium. And that would mean they would have to either have access to Riverwalk Stadium, which is owned by the city, or the Riverfront Park, where the Harriet 2 is, which is also owned by the city. So I got a little bit of background on that and, explained, and, and they explained to me exactly what happened. So that was the original plan. And initially what the city had basically taken a stance on, they had been in communication with the city to get all that stuff. Now, personally, from an organizational standpoint, they probably should not have announced that before they knew that it was set in stone. But the people who helped organize this had been in communication with the city of Montgomery, several local community leaders, including several preachers and spiritual leaders around the, 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 the tri-county area, uh, specifically Montgomery. but, uh, they had got in touch with them and were trying to get them to help organize it, have several of them speak at the event, that kind of thing, because primarily it was a, a movement, a, a rally that they were going to try to do uh, to bring people together. And they, they really felt that uh, scripture and the gospel needed to be at the core of that, which is a sentiment, of course, that I agree with. And then the third one is that they had been in communication with several local restaurant leaders, and so there were going to be people sponsoring it. So that's why you saw on that ad that they had uh, free food and drinks will be provided. So because of something that has happened recently, originally the city was seeming like they might be up to support it, and then they basically told them very quickly, no, actually... Uh, we're not going to stand in your way, but we're not actually going to assist you or provide any accommodation. Uh, you're on your own, but we're also not going to stop you. And then as time went on that evolved into, okay, we are going to try to stop you. And I got to be honest. I don't know if part of that was me on the show yesterday. I, I don't know that for sure. Um, Sometimes on Talk Radio we have a uh, we we have a thing to where uh sometimes we think that we may have played a bigger role in something that we really did and that that could be the case maybe they they've not seen my show they had no idea it was happening but yesterday calling out the hypocrisy and the double standards I fear may have had an influence on them choosing to do this uh I hope that that is not the case Because, as I said on the show yesterday, I'm not against the event, and I don't think that the city of Montgomery should try to cancel it or try to stop it. I'm just saying that there was a double standard in place versus the reopen Alabama rally and the one that was going on here. But apparently, the city never signed off on it. It was not a city-sponsored event. In fact, you can see that the Montgomery Police Department actually put out this graphic earlier today where they have, uh, the, the graphic from the event and they put out a canceled. I, I don't even know what you call that. not it's not a watermark, a, a stamp over it. And then you can also notice that it says down there, cause you can see that it's from the Montgomery police department, not a city sponsored event. So, uh, very emphatically trying to stop this, shut it down, make sure that it doesn't happen. Uh, trying to tell people that it's canceled, even though it technically hasn't been canceled. Certain aspects of it have been canceled. For example, because the city is not going to sponsor it, it has not given its blessing, they're not going to be able to do the fireworks, they're not going to be able to open up Riverwalk, and because of that, they're not going to march all the way down to Riverwalk. They've decided instead to march down to the Fountain Square, You know, actually right there uh, beside the Service First Bank and a couple of the other buildings. So the, where, where the big fountain plaza is, uh, right across from like NYC Euro and some of the other places down there, that's where they're going to meet up instead. So they're going to march from the Capitol steps to there. So much shorter walk. Uh, they said that they are going to continue to provide, uh, water just for people because they, they know that it's going to be super hot out there and they want to make sure everybody stays hydrated and safe. And so they are going to provide water. They're not going to be able to provide food. They're not going to be able to provide fireworks. And since the city is not sanctioning it, they're planning on just meeting at the Capitol steps, saying a few words, and having some speakers, maybe some people from the crowd come up and speak just for a moment. And then they're going to move down to the Fountain Plaza. Now, that's important because it seems as though the city is actually trying to stop this, make sure it doesn't happen, spreading around the rumors that it is canceled. I mean, uh, maybe from their perspective, let's, let's give as much grace as possible. Maybe from their perspective, what they're saying is, well, it was canceled in the sense that some of the, at least part of the event has been canceled, and the graphic is no longer accurate. But it seems as though there is at least... I don't know, malice seems strong, but I don't really know any other way to describe it that they're actually trying to stop this. And as I said before, it did seem to me yesterday when I thought that the city was sanctioning it and and it seemed as though that was going to be the case, it seemed to me that there was a double standard, but I would have rather them just apologize for what they did previously and admit that that was wrong and then allow this one to take place. So I will give Mayor Reed and the city leadership... Points for consistency, I guess, since they are trying to stymie this one too. Now, it was wrong for this event. It was wrong for the Get Back to Work Alabama event. It's wrong both ways. So they are consistent, consistently wrong, but at least they are not... At least they're not showing a double standard here. And so that is one thing that I said yesterday that actually turned out to be now with new information was actually incorrect. There is not a double standard. They are trying to prevent this from happening, but, you know, they shouldn't be. And that's really where I was going with that. Uh, So I I guess at the very least, Reed is consistent on that. He's been inconsistent on a few other things, but he is consistent on people apparently not gathering on that. I I think that there could be an argument to be made that uh, for allowing some of the protests to take place Monday night, that there might be a little inconsistency there. But overall, he is at least consistent on this. So those are the big adjustments that you need to know about if you are attending or you are planning to attend. This event, it is going to continue to take place. It is going to start at the Capitol steps and it is going to start at 4 p.m. on Saturday. All of those things that were originally announced are indeed true. And I'm actually thinking about going down there myself and covering it. I don't know exactly what that'll look like or what form it'll take, but I am contemplating going ahead and doing that. So you may actually see me there if you go down uh, and check it out because I I will be covering it. One adjustment they did want to make though is of course no fireworks no food they'll be going down to the fountain plaza instead and they'll be looking at some of the uh the history the the markers there in that area like uh what's one of the ones near fountain plaza that they're probably going to do uh the the Rosa Parks bench that that would be one that would be down there so apparently they're going to do that go down talk to uh talk about that and and take a look at that so that would be something that would be interesting uh, but there's no fireworks or food, and they're saying it'll probably only last until 6 p.m. because now there's less content. They want to make sure that everybody gets home, I mean, four hours before the city curfew. They, they really are bending over backwards to be in compliance with the city, even though it looks like the city is trying to screw them on this and try to keep them from doing this event, which I think is a crying shame. And the most important part of this, to me, was finding out what the intention of the event actually was. And the representative that I talked to, I mean, it seemed to me to be a really good event. And it's a shame that now the city is trying to cancel it. Uh, but basically the message that was given, which is one that I am, am very sympathetic to, is that Montgomery has been a place for a very long time where there have been things like protests, civil disobedience, and that was because you know, in the civil rights movement, there were legitimate abridgments of rights going on. And so the response to this was, let's bring out the whole city and show everybody that just because that history is there doesn't mean we can't come together in love. And you'll notice one of the things that I observed when all I had to go on was that ad that they put out is they seem to be going out of their way to be uniting, which I thought was smart. Get rid of everything that has baggage. Get rid of the label of Black Lives Matter because it does inherently suggest that other lives don't matter as much. You also have the issues of the Black Lives Matter organization and there is an actual organization with 40 chapters across the country. That they're into a whole lot of things that the average person wouldn't agree with like uh, the destruction of Israel and and all kinds of other crazy things which we're actually going to get to in just a second when I'm done with this segment. Uh, But drop all the baggage drop everything that would be divisive uh dr- drop stuff from the other side too cuz you'll also notice that it didn't do what most of the the protests and rallies on the right do which is sort of clothe itself in the American flag and uh you know that didn't have the uh the massive red white and blue spectacle and everything which frankly I love but I understand that some people kind of see that as divisive, and so it looked like there was a real genuine attempt at this rally to get rid of everything that might be divisive and just bring everybody together in unity and to show that even a place like Montgomery that has an incredibly checkered past compared to other locations in the United States, even a city that has that troubled past can be a beacon of hope for everybody else and give everybody else an example of this is how you do it. This is how you come together in love. And I'm really amicable to that message. I I hate that the thing wound up getting um, at least the city trying to nix it. Like I said, it's still going on. I'm still going to try to go there. This would be an opportunity for Montgomery to be the example. And it would, I think distract from all the craziness that you're seeing around the country with things like uh, riots and protesters that are attacking police officers. And in, even in some cases, even though they're rare, police officers attacking protesters, uh, you know, incredibly isolated, isolated incidents on that one. But nonetheless, it would take away from all that and give everybody a, a shot of what real unity is supposed to look like, and, and I think that's a very noble goal, and, and I'm going to be out there covering it, hoping that it can still continue to be that. If you have any interest, be sure to check it out on Saturday at 4 p.m. Now, the second half of this, and, and to show sort of the contrast to what we've been talking about, I think that there is a lot of misconception about Black Lives Matter, and, and this is something that is a very tender issue the nerve is very much exposed when it comes to the phrase black lives matter because usually when you say the phrase black lives matter everybody immediately goes to their corners everybody that doesn't agree with everything that goes on in black lives matter immediately goes into attack mode everybody that is more on on the left tends to go automatically into defense mode and We've even seen incidents over the past few days of people suggesting that anyone that doesn't say Black Lives Matter is a racist. Silence is violence, which is hilarious on a number of levels, because on the left, first we had speech is violence, which is the reason that one of the maxims of the show is that speech is not violence, because uh, just you know months ago, before the coronavirus hit, we had students at places like Berkeley and Evergreen College saying that speech is violence. And now they're saying speech is violence and silence is also violence. So I guess everything's just violence, it seems like, because you, be, you, you can't have speech as violence and silence is violence and not be violent. So I guess the assumption is just that everything is violence. But anyway, you've got that side of it. And because of that, you have people that I, I really think when you're looking at the organization as a whole... They don't even know that Black Lives Matter is an organization. They tend to think that it's just a a kitschy slogan and a hashtag. And basically, if you're marching in the street holding a sign that says Black Lives Matter, you are Black Lives Matter. That's technically not true. And while Black Lives Matter isn't quite as organized as a lot of other movements that have sprung up out of some kind of political uh, issue, like, for example, the NRA. Now, granted, the NRA has been around for a really long time. But the NRA, very organized. You know who's a member. You know who isn't a member. I'm a member. But with Black Lives Matter, not necessarily the case. They're very decentralized. They actually brag about that on their website. And so it's harder to pin that down. But the thing is, and this is the issue that I want to clarify, Black Lives Matter is the wolf in sheep's clothing. But here's the thing that is unique about them. The members... They are the sheep's clothing. And then the leadership is the wolf. So what you have here is a small group of wild socialist radicals that also just happen to be black and we're in the, black, we're in the right place at the right time to start the Black Lives Matter movement and organization formally that are using the rank-and-file black people that don't even know that there is a Black Lives Matter organization or don't know a lot about the politics and what all that entails, basically they are using those people as a shield to shield themselves from political rhetoric, shield themselves from political criticism. And you may recall that just a few weeks ago, I think it was less than two weeks ago, I actually did an entire segment where we talked for about 30 minutes about how Antifa and other groups are infiltrating these protests and trying to turn them violent, trying to make them worse than they are, trying to create chaos. And by the way, that is all still true. Antifa is still infiltrating protests like this, but that does not mean that Black Lives Matter is innocent in this either. And the reason that I say that The reason that I bring that up is because there are people that mistakenly believed that if you were saying that Antifa is infiltrating Black Lives Matter, it meant that you were either unaware or wanted to ignore the fact that Black Lives Matter as an organization is also a wild, radical Marxist group, like Antifa. That's not true. There might be some people that are using Antifa as a scapegoat to absolve Black Lives Matter of their involvement in stuff like this, But I wasn't one of them, and the vast majority of people that I have seen saying that are not people that believe that. Two things can be true at once. It can be true that Antifa is invading these protests and planting themselves in there trying to stir up violence and create riots. And it can also be true that Black Lives Matter, as an organization, not the rank-and-file people, not the people necessarily that are walking through streets, I'm talking about people at the leadership level specifically, are also violent anarchist and socialist. Those two things can be true simultaneously. And so, one of the things that I I wanted to bring up on this is that one, one thing that you can really understand about this is that, first of all, with some of the lies that have been spread, for example, Black Lives Matter has on their website that they continue to support... Uh, Michael Brown, they claim on his uh, on their website that he was murdered by the police officer uh, what was it, Darren Wilson and there's not an ounce of truth to that. Even Obama and Eric Holder came back and said no there was no truth to the narrative of hands up don't shoot. It seems as though this was justified. Even so they continue to stick to stuff like that. Now there are cases like Eric Garner that the police were absolutely out of line. And that there should be consequences for that. That Those are cases that I agreed with. But you have to follow the evidence where it leads. Black Lives Matter is not about that because their goal is not justice. Their goal is chaos and racial animosity. And they're very good at stoking those fires. Because if that were your goal, it would make sense for you to use, even though they're untrue, cases where people were allegedly abused when it turns out that the police were actually justified in their actions. And so to them, it really doesn't matter whether the police was the aggressor, whether or not he was justified, not a big deal to them, because all they're trying to do is score political points, and they're using black people and the slogan Black Lives Matter as a shield to do that. And if you don't believe me that they're just a political arm, basically an extension of the far-left socialist agenda... Take a look at this. This is an excerpt that I took specifically from their website. I could just read it to you, but I, to make sure that everybody knew that this is coming directly from them, I actually screenshotted it. So here you can read, this is a statement directly from Black Lives Matter website, where they say, quote, "...we disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages." that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster, queer affirm- we foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all the world are heterosexual unless she, he, or they disclose otherwise. Now, what did any of that have to do with police brutality? What did any of that have to do with black people's rights or saving black people's lives? Not a dang thing. In fact, what I find interesting about it is they really hit the transgender and homosexual agenda super hard. That's not the only place that they mentioned in their website. It comes up like every 10 seconds when you're reading their website. But it's funny because of all the racial demographics that you can look at, do you know which one is the most stringent and ardent against homosexuality? Black people and Hispanics. Now, they're basically neck and neck, and it depends on which one you're looking at in public opinion poll as to which group finds that agenda most detestable. But usually it's black people. The reason that, for example, Proposition 8 in California, which would have been this is before Burgerfeld, of course, uh, the gay marriage law, the reason that that failed is because of black people that did not want that to be something that was a state-sanctioned institution. And so, on the whole, the idea that these people represent the views of the average black American is just incorrect, because you're looking at what they're seeing right, or what they're saying right there. It's in direct opposition to the position of the vast majority of black people, and that is because, and this is a testament to them, on average, black people are more religious than white people. They tend to attend church more, uh, more uh, often. They do so on a regular basis. They do so more often with family members. I, I mean, the list goes on. They tend to be a more religious people as a whole than white people are, which is, you know, a point in their favor. I think that that's something that that we could learn from. But the point in all of that is, everything in that statement was about tearing down Western civilization and our reliance on God. Which are two things that black people kind of like. They've been the, the beneficiaries of it to a great degree. And it just astounds me to watch this, and if all of those things were to take place, you know who would suffer the most? If, if the Black Lives Matter agenda were put into place, if you took Black Lives Matter and just said, you guys have absolute power, remake the country as you see fit, and they did that, which is on their website, black families would be the ones hurt the most. Part of the reason that we're having this entire conversation, part of the reason that we are in the position that we are in right now, is largely because among black people, there are higher rates of poverty and higher rates of crime. And the number one factor that decides whether or not a family is living in abject poverty or a young man or young woman is going to engage in crime, specifically violent crime, is whether or not there is a father in the home. The dissolving of the nuclear, family, to use their words, the the Western prescribed family of one dad, one mom, and children, that being dissolved has caused more irrevocable harm to the black community than any kind of racism ever could have. I think it was Larry Elder the other day that put it very succinctly and, and very well. He said, let's just imagine that there was a way to create a vaccine for white supremacy. And we did and we inoculated the entire Population to where there was no more white supremacy. Would we still have a lack of black fathers in the homes? Would we still have black people killing other black people in violent gun crimes? Would we still have gang crimes? So on and so forth. That all goes back to the idea. And this is not a race thing because if you had that amount of white fathers not in the home, and unfortunately we're not that far behind. If you had that number of white fathers not being in the home, not being in the picture, you would see similar numbers from them too. It's not a race thing. Anytime you dissolve the family and weaken the family, you're going to see similar results because that's the ideal situation that God prescribed for mankind. Obviously, even if you have that, sometimes it doesn't turn out exactly the way that it should, but that's the ideal and it tends to give better results than anything else the dissolution the the, the dissolving of the american family has caused more economic and educational strife than any other thing ...that we can look at. It is the number one determining factor as to how successful a child will be raised. And it's also the number one determining factor of whether or not a family has, uh, is doing economically well or not. All of this plays a role here. And it's ironic that Black Lives Matter solution to all of this would actually go further in the opposite direction... ...and hurt black people more. And I mean, if if you want more proof that they're Marxist and socialist, I, that was it right there. They want to tear down Western civilization, and they also want to raise children in some kind of weird commune where there are the, the family is dissolved, and you're just raising children as a village, as it were, kind of like Hillary Clinton's book. It takes a village. Like that's not going to work for anybody. In fact, you know who else was an ardent believer? in that system, Adolf Hitler. Now, he obviously also didn't like black people, but the the one of the adherents to that that believed that society instead of parents should be raising children was him. So, you know, just a little fun bit of history there for you. And there's another quote from the website that I thought was really telling and shows that they really have very little concern for issues that are actually affecting... Black people, look at this quote from them. We affirm the lives of black, queer, and trans folks, disabled folks, undocumented folks, folks with records, women, and all black lives along the gender spectrum. Our network centers, those who have been marginalized within black liberation movements. So a couple things to unpack in this one. The first thing that you will notice is, again, like I said, every 10 seconds they have to bring up the intersectionality thing. So we have to talk about uh, gay people and trans people, which is not something that the vast majority of black Americans agree with, but they bring it up there yet again. And then all of a sudden they throw in disabled people, which seems really weird, and then undocumented people. So they have an official stance on illegal immigration. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Texas or Arizona or another border state and seen the people coming across the border. Not black. And so, again, this just shows that they're more concerned with the Democrat agenda and the far-left. I should say the far-left agenda because it it, it actually goes further than the DNC agenda, Uh, even though those two are getting freakishly hard to tell the difference between the two. But this goes back to the far-left agenda of bringing in importing voters from other countries and having open borders. That is a far-left talking point that has nothing to do with things like systemic racism, police brutality, so on and so forth. And so Black Lives Matter apparently has a stance on that, despite the fact that it doesn't really affect any black lives, at least not in a positive way. You could argue it, and I would say that it does affect them in a negative way, but it certainly doesn't in a positive way. And yet, they are in favor of things like open borders. They're also in favor of, and this is in a different spot on the website, they said that they were in favor of the Palestinian Authority, which means they kind of want them to run Israel and, and kick the Jews out, which is another really strange stance to take for a group that's supposed to be focused on Black Lives Mattering. Not really any Black Lives involved in either side of that you know, back and forth between the two of them. But Notice how they are also complaining, and they do this in multiple places, specifically on the section of their website referred to as Her Story. One of their biggest complaints is they're saying there's too many straight black men that are leading black liberation movements. And they talk about how traditionally you have uh, the leaders of these black movements typically being straight black men, and that's a problem, and we need more gay black men and we need more women in charge. Look, I don't have any reason to believe that the civil rights movement, for example, would have been in better hands with a gay black woman than Martin Luther King Jr. He wasn't the leader of that movement because of his intersectionality or what was in his pants. He was the leader of that movement because he was the man most qualified for the job. He was the one that was the best at it. He wasn't even necessarily appointed by anybody. He just became the face of the movement. Because he was the one that was best at leading. And the intersectionality argument, just no matter where it crops up, it just makes me chuckle because uh, the idea that well we need to get somebody that checks off all these boxes, whether or not they're actually good at the job, really doesn't matter as much as us getting a you know, a gay black woman in in this position as opposed to uh, just whoever is best at articulating the position, or or doing the job, whatever it may be. But this is something, again, that I think the average black person would be perfectly fine with the idea that the vast majority of the leaders of these movements are going to be straight black men. Also don't have a problem with women being involved. Don't have an issue with, for example, Rosa Parks. But ultimately... When it comes right down to it, I want the person that is most qualified, just like I think Rosa Parks would have been for that particular moment in history. She was the right one. And it may well end up that we, because there's, uh, I mean, look at Candace Owens. Uh, That's a very strong black woman that is is extremely, she's a better broadcaster than me. I'll, I'll admit that very quickly. So it doesn't, basically what it boils down to is they want to make sure that they're checking off all of the left's boxes. Whether or not it helps or hurts black people is really kind of immaterial to them. And that's why I'm saying to black people, you're being duped if you think that Black Lives Matter is really out for you. You are merely the veil that they are putting over themselves to protect themselves politically to push their radical left agenda through most of which you probably don't actually agree with, especially if you're socially conservative, like the vast majority of black people are. I'm saying this because I'm afraid that you're being taken advantage of. And that's not good regardless of what side of the political spectrum you happen to be on. All right, so that's going to be the show because it is getting dangerously close to 7 o'clock. I got to wrap it up here, but thanks so much for being with us. Uh, like I said, I am going to try to cover that rally. Uh, I think that I should be able to do it. So, 4 p.m. on the Capitol steps, I'm going to be out there covering it, trying to uh, sort everything out, and, and hopefully it'll turn out being a good event. In the meantime, stay the course, friends. Tactics with Caleb Colquitt, only on News Radio 1440 and NewsRadio1440.com.